0: Fashion Lab Africa, real conversations, real fashion.
1: Hello, salam. welcome to the Fashion Lab show. This is your host, Liz Ogumba Regisford, and uh, we are back uh, by Fashion Demand, and this is definitely going to be a show with a different topic this time. Uh, I just thought it might be great to sort of lighten up our mindsets a bit, um, you know, let our hair down a bit and focus on uh, a different topic, something that's a bit more, less serious, but you know, interesting. I think uh, we'll look at the, and we'll touch on the historical angle of it, we'll touch on the religious angle of it, and we'll also touch on what it is and what it means um, when it comes to fashion. Um, we are going to be talking about beads, the history, culture, types of beads found within different regions in the continent. And uh, I think for me, one of the cool things is the whole creative industry is actually reliant on beads a lot. So You find brands and designers, some brands and designers who constantly use beads to embellish their products, whether it's fashion, whether it's art or any type of merchandise, whichever type of merchandise you would think about. Today, there's definitely also a new crop of beaters who are actually taking on the craft, which has been passed down to them through generations, and sort of have taken a turn on it, or a twist on it, or given it a new twist and modernized it. So you'll find their works also simultaneously keep their cultures, traditions alive, while also proving that artists can actually break free from the tribe's respective signatures and create pieces that are actually even more trendy. So, um, I just want to touch base on a, her article. Um, on her article, Lydia D. Schuyama, uh she literally describes beads in their simplest form as a small perforated sphere, usually strung to create necklaces. Now, they can be made of, of metal, pottery, glass, precious or semi-precious stones, such as ivory, coral, turquoise, amber, rock crystal, or even glass. Now, the human desire for personal ornamentation or decoration is clearly evident from the frequent presence of beads in archaeological times. Now you think about beads, you think about the earliest beads dating from the Paleolithic period, which were mainly seeds, gnats, grains, animal teeth, bones. And most especially seashells. You think about cowrie shells. uh, For those of us who are brought up in beach countries where you know there's always cowry shells and you use them for so many different um, sort of um, elements and, and, and things. You know, you use this in butter trade. These were used also in ceremonial exchanges. And they contain precious information. I think it's a very, very interesting conversation. Now, there's a spirit we've also seen when we look at fashion, really. You look and see that there's in native fashion design a lot lately, Uh, There's definitely that whole element of fusing in this different bits and pieces when it comes to beading uh, and all of that. Now you think about also the prominent ready-to-wear designers, artists such as Jamie Okuma, who are actually using beadwork on pieces that make a broader statement about their culture. Okuma's hand-beaded Christian Louboutins, for example, have this underlying message about pop culture and appropriation. So guys, there's so much to talk about. Um, around beads. I know it sounds like what are we going to touch on for sure. You also want to, we're going to touch a bit on the history as well. You know, you think about beads found in early Egyptian tombs and sort of thought to date from about 4000 BC. Um, You know, these beads appeared, glazed ceramic beads appeared in the Egypt's um, period and continue to be made um in roman times you've got the phoenicians the egyptians also making fancy beads i don't know if you guys know what fancy beads are but i'm going to share a lot of this and i think we're also going to do it's going to be it's a very um it's a very y- y- visual um conversation too so we're going to try and bring it up from uh, your you know from your audio perspective and then you obviously also have to go and see uh what we are really talking about for those who are actually using beads uh in this industry Um, If you're looking to expand or if you're looking to sort of um, uh, adventure into other sort of form of beads, this is also a great show for you. Um, But I want to just take a pause there and um, introduce uh, our contributor and partner who's joining us on the show, Edu Benson, with his echoes from New York. Thank you for joining us on this show, Edu. Welcome.
0: Hi, Liz. How are you doing?
1: Fine, thank you. How are you?
0: (laughs) I am good. Uh, Still in self-quarantine, but good.
1: Mm. a <laughs> oh, yeah, wow.
0: reality check, you know. <laughs>
1: yes, I know. I'm I'm sorry that you know this is getting out of hand. I was just watching the whole thing about the NBA games also getting cancelled based on the work <laughs> that one of the players had. But it's everything. And you know what's crazy is someone was I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I said it's funny how we feel like coronavirus is in the world, but sometimes we feel like we are not a part of the world or we feel like it can't touch us. Until it touches you so close that you realize it's reality. It's not a dream. It's not TV. It's not a reality show. It is happening. It is really happening. And it's only getting closer. And the closer it gets to you, the more you gotta, you sort of get that reality check and realize, my gosh, it's actually here. So anyway, I don't, I don't want to, definitely I do not want to focus so much on Corona today. But for those of you who are really affected, um, you know, your businesses are affected highly by this or your families, or, you know, there's deaths and other things. There's so many things that are affected through this um, virus. And I think it should be considered a pandemic by now. I don't know why it's still not considered that. Anyway, guys, Eju, who are you wearing? Who made your clothes? Let's be happy. Tell me you're wearing something great. Tell me.
0: All right. We're going to be super happy, although I'm in quarantine. <laughs> 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 I'm wearing my fancy 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 calvin Klein pjs because i'm on self-quarantine remember
1: pjs again edgy come on
0: because i'm in (laughs) self-quarantine you you know but they are fancy super fancy. all
1: right well (laughs) talk about fancy beats fancy pjs here we come (laughs) exactly thank you for joining us on the show um edgy and uh, for those of you who are tuned in, we are also going to be joined by um, Bali Entle with her Fashion Alert. Um, this is the news and the dose that, you know, keeps us up uh, to knowing what's really happening in the fashion industry. Uh, for those of you who are plugging in for the first time, this is the fashion lab where we dissect the business behind fashion. Uh, we also have a cool segment that comes up. It's called our st- wine style guide. And this is strictly around how wine and fashion <laughs> goes hand in hand you can call it style but i think i really believe style and fashion uh, style and wine go hand in hand lastly just a quick reminder um to look out for my favorite segment at the end of the show called who would you want to dress and why we care about who you want to dress and why so guys keep it locked um make sure you keep your tweets coming at fashion lab af on twitter we are at fashion lab africa on instagram and facebook and we definitely want to hear from you now uh before getting into deep um let us take a quick no, 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 no. Let's take let's talk about five things you didn't know about the Maasai before we roll over to the fashion a lot with Mbali. Uh, I just want to touch quickly on this, and I say so, Maasai because I mean, besides me being proudly Kenyan and knowing that these are one of the when you think about beadwork, um, you know, the Zulu come in mind, the Maasai, and a couple of other really uh strong cultures who've really you know sort of um grown and uh, acculturized to this. So now the first thing I want to talk about, just five key things, the beaded ornaments represent Maasai cultural values and traditions. So obviously you think about the practice It's specifically by women, If those of you who don't know, by the way. The women are the ones who be. It's considered their duty to learn beadwork, and these products are for both men and women, and they use them in cultural practices such as weddings, rituals, community events, and then people like Liz and a couple of other brands who are inspired take it over and extend it into their fashion stories. So that's really cool. Another second point, really cool about five things you didn't know about the Maasai beadwork, if you don't, is Maasai beadwork has been in existence for hundreds of years. So you think about the tradition of Maasai beadwork, which dates back hundreds of years. It became significant and known to the rest of the world in the 19th century after trade with other tribes. Three things, third thing that you might not have known, maybe you do, beads were not the original material used. So initially Maasai women used dried grass, sticks, clay, seeds, shells, and other materials to make this traditional elements but over time they sort of began using attractive beads made out of plastic and glass and they obtained it from other communities through trade a fourth point uh, around maybe you know maybe you don't maasai beadwork is actually worn according to age and social status of an individual so you just kind of rock up with any piece i mean we do because we are not a to it But unmarried females wear large flat beaded discs around their neck. So that sort of everyone can know, you know, you're single. Maybe that's a great way to get into the market. And then (laughs) when dancing as a sign of sort of grace and flexibility, they also wear those flat beaded discs. I'm sure a lot of you have seen those. And then, you know, when you think about a woman getting married, they wear uh, very elaborate and heavily beaded uh, sort of neck pieces on their wedding day. And then once they're married, they wear the long necklace with blue beads. So you have to think about this and remember that it's not just everything is so tied into something. There's something always tied into the beads. So those of higher status wear more colorful beads and that's just how it flows. My last but not least point around something you may not have known about Maasai beadwork is different colors actually hold special meaning. So you've got different colors they use in the beadwork and um, you think about red, red signifies blood. uh uh, bravery unity you think about white which represents sort of health it represents peace and purity blue is definitely the color of the sky you know it represents energy green is the color of grass which signifies the land and sort of protection production you know land production and then black sort of represents the people and the struggle they have to endure so yellow symbolizes the sun fertility growth orange represents warmth generosity and friendship all those colors, for those who know about Masai beadwork, I'm sure you've seen them also. I'm hoping that this is a bit of a great time to shed some more light so that when you go to choose your pieces, you actually could also use this as an opportunity to sort of focus on the colors that drive you. But guys, we're going to be right back after this break. Uh, we are talking beads and everything about beads today on this show. And uh, we definitely want to hear from you. So, yeah, let's roll over to a music break. We'll be right back.
0: Fashion yeah. Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion.
1: Thank you guys. You're tuned into the Fashion Lab and we are talking everything beads today on Fashion Lab because I think it's that time um, of the season. So now we're going to roll over to Mbali and Tlenjoko with her fashion alert and then we will continue this conversation around beads.
0: Fashion Lab Africa real compositions real fashion
2: hello everybody i am bali entlinger welcome to this week's fashion alerts so the first story for this week is about photographer sues bella hadid over an instagram post so american model bella hadid is facing a lawsuit after a photograph she posted on instagram in september 2019. Bella Hadid is reportedly being sued by a photographer for posting an image of herself on Instagram. Strange but true. So the 23-year-old beauty model, who is one of the world's best-paid models in the fashion industry, is facing legal action after she decided to post a snap of herself wearing a black and white checkered Tommy Hilfiger chapeau on the photo-sharing platform Instagram. Bella, who has 29 million followers on Instagram, captioned the photograph at zendaya made this hat so i shall wear this hat until i can no longer wear this hat anymore she then tagged at tommy hilfiger so the lawsuit has been launched by timur mishave a a photographer uh, who is seeking unspecified damages the photographer claims that the supermodel had no rights to post the image and she is infringing on his copyrights so that's what happened it was happening she's been slapped with this lawsuit she's going to probably have to pay this unspecified amount of damages um, for posting an image crazy the world that we live in today there's obviously a duty to give reasons as to why he says that she's infringing his copyrights and that she had no right to post this image we don't know how this story will turn out and how it will end but we live in very very petty times i tell you (laughs) Our next story is about Shanghai Fashion Week, Autumn Winter 20. It's going to take place entirely online. I'm sure we all know why. The event is now going to be all virtual and all digital during the COVID-19 outbreak. So the coronavirus outbreak has caused the Shanghai Fashion Week to take place entirely online. So it looks like Fashion Never Sleeps and Fashion Shanghai Fashion Week, rather, which was originally postponed due to the COVID-19 outbreak, is now back on track and taking place. It's just that it will be taking place digitally. The week-long event will last from the Tuesday the 24th to Monday the 30th and has teamed up with Alibaba Group, the world's largest online shopping marketplace, to bring us the autumn and winter collections from dozens of Chinese, China's top designers along with big global players like Amani, Dior, Gucci and Versace. The 7 day online event will be broadcast via Tmall's virtual shopping rooms which will allow viewers not only to see the brand's collection but also this is really cool directly place orders so all you have to do is just log on to shanghaifashionweek.com with a chinese phone number or email address and tune in and you may also just be able to place your orders online so it's actually very good that um it's, it's bad that the virus is obviously changing all these things and causing events to be postponed, to be cancelled. But it's also good that the fashion industry is making, uh, making other ways, making alternate plans, making sure that the show goes on and people are actually now going to be able to order the items as and when they see them as the show is going on, which is really, really cool. So if you're a listener of ours and you're in China, don't despair. Just go on to shanghaifashionweek.com with your Chinese phone or email address and voila. And the last story this week is First Mile targets polybag recycling with a London pilot. So a recycling company, First Mile, has partnered with sustainable fashion innovation platform Fashion for Good to tackle plastic polybag waste in the fashion industry with a new London-based pilot scheme. So you know those plastic foam bags that are commonly used to pack, transport, and store items of clothing before they are displayed in store. Uh, These are the plastic bags that they're actually going for and targeting it is estimated that 180 billion this is a big number poly bags are produced each year while only less than 15 percent of bags are collected for recycling according to fashion for good so basically the fashion poly bags can be transformed into high quality clear foam products again so why is nobody doing this why haven't we been doing it but you know what it's good that they are doing it they're doing this pilot to see if it will work if it will be sustainable and you know when you know better you do better so that's exactly what they're doing so the polybag collection scheme pilot it aims to identify and scale potential solutions to reduce the impact and use of plastic packaging in the industry as well as test the ability to develop (coughs) scalable recycling infrastructure in one key city in this case of the pilot that city is london so this pilot will take place for three months and will be supported by fashion for good partners including adidas pvh corp and stella mccartney they will see the first mile Uh, They'll see First Mile, rather, collecting and recycling plastic polybags from retail stores located in central London. These polybags will then be transformed transformed into new plastic film products, closing the loop dramatically and reducing the amount of retail plastic waste that is simply thrown away. So Bruce Bradley, who is the founder and CEO of First Mile, said that this is an area where recycling can make a massive difference. He also said that there's an incredible amount of plastic plastic polybag packaging waste that is not currently being recycled and will often land up in a landfill. So maximizing the recycling of these polybags is a hugely positive move. So at the end of this 3-month pilot and trial, Fashion for Good will collate and analyze <clears throat> the data on the viability of the separate polybag collection and First Mile will then prepare reports on the recycling items outcomes rather to see whether this is feasible whether it made a significant difference and um, whether it's sustainable i think this is great i think it's a good idea so good on fashion for good and first mile for doing this For myself and thank you so much this is it for this week's fashion alert be good be blessed and take care
0: fashion lab africa Real compositions, real fashion.
2: Alright
1: guys, so here we are and we are talking about beads and everything you want to know about beads. We are talking about the trade journey, we are talking about the origins of beads, we are talking about the meaning and the significance of beads. Uh, we are talking about the fashion angle of it and how we apply that um from a fashion perspective some of the brands who are really soaring high in this game right now and i think for me my biggest thing is the reason i wanted to have this conversation today around beats is just to be able to make sure that we understand that we are the conservation point I have to conserve this culture I talk about Africa this is my culture and that is something very special to me and I want to conserve it so we're going to roll over to the trade routes of the world from North America all the way to China brought to us by and I'm using this foundation uh, by Janet Walker of Walker Goldsmiths who just sort of takes us through the detail of it so let's roll over to Janet Walker
3: Considered by archaeologists to be one of the oldest trade items on the planet. Trade beads have a big, long history, going back all over the world 40,000 years. So no matter where you are on the planet, you will hear about or eventually someone will begin a conversation about trade beads. I've been with Lindblad for 26 years, I've traveled all over the world with Lindblad, and during this presentation we're going to visit five different Lindblad trips. And my mentor over all these years, and my very dear friend, is Janet Walker. And we are going to have a conversation through pictures about the journey of trade beats. For me, trade beats started when I was about five years old and I got to handle my first trade beads that belonged to my father's mother. She had a bag of glass necklaces. I'm sure they were all Bohemian glass. Mm -hmm. They were absolutely beautiful. They're all hand faceted. And we spent a lot of time playing with her and playing with these necklaces. And that was my first introduction. Part of understanding trade beads is understanding the trade routes of the world. And the trade routes that began in Europe and ended up on the west coast of North America all the way to China were all based on trade that benefited every single person involved in the trade. And often it would begin with these gorgeous blue glass beads. So what are the blue glass beads and why do they call them Russian blues? Because they weren't made by Russians. No, they were not made no, by they were But made. they were traded to the Russians. Russians. And they were made in Bohemia. And the Bohemians, the Eastern Europeans, of which Janet and I are both descended, are very resourceful people. And the Bohemians would send out scouts with examples of different kinds of glass that they made. And one of the things that they found out was that The Russians were really interested in these beads, in the Russian blues. And so these wagon trains of glass went from Bohemia, from Mm -hmm. the Czech Republic, Mm -hmm. up into Russia. Through Siberia. Through Siberia, traveled Mm -hmm. all over to the coast. And this is the origin of those beads, which I think is amazing. Everything that traded in this area, all up and down the Northwest coast, including these beads, Mm -hmm. was then done by native people in these gorgeous canoes.
4: Now at the same time that this was happening on the west coast of, the, of the North America, the Blue Russians were coming into the east coast through the Dutch traders. I was just reading the other day where some of these, these Blue Russians were found in a burial site from the 1700s in Tennessee.
3: Wow. Yeah. That is really amazing. So
4: they, they were coming in from that direction also and moving up and down mm-hmm. and across the country.
3: Mm-hmm. And it comes in a variety of colors. It can mm-hmm. come in kind of a deep kind of a purple, almost an amethyst. It comes in many shades of blue. It comes in green and it comes in almost a type of a reddish brown. Really, really amazing. And these are very rare and highly prized. So these kinds of colors, when you find them, you're going to be paying a real pretty
1: penny look for at that pretty little yeah. teal one down yeah. there Ooh, nice mm-hmm. really nice like you guys have heard from the conversation with janet walker uh around blue russian trade bits which i also used to in my head i kept on saying why do they call them blue russian and i just assumed it's actually because it's from the russians but no Those blue Russian trade beads, which is obviously the name given to the beautiful cobalt blue um, and hand-faceted tabular glass trade beads. These beads were originally traded by the Russians to the Alaska natives in exchange for sea otter pelts and anything else they needed. They're still very cool. They look beautiful. They're collected all over the world. And they're actually rare. It's hard to find. So if you're lucky, you might find a couple of these at an antique shop, maybe but there's something really special about them and also just something else they also range in size from approximately 10 millimeters down to five millimeters in length some are slim and some are a bit chunky but the larger the size of the bead the greater the value but i really think this is really a great insight let's roll over to the conversation around carnelian beads taking their roots from north india
3: trade beads were coming in from all different directions into north america from the hudson bay we had beautiful white hearts coming down from the East Coast, the time of Columbus, going all the way across the United States, what became the United States Padre Beads, Mm -hmm. in a variety of colors. So the trade routes were really, really important. And it's amazing to see how it was coming into North America, to all the indigenous people. If you go anywhere in Indian country and start talking beads, you have the most extraordinary conversations. Dentalium was this huge trade item on the Northwest coast that came from Vancouver Island and it was traded all and the Nol- up and Nol- down. And the yeah.
4: and the Macaw. Mm-hmm. And they
3: would use a very strange kind of a rake or comb. A Bo- broom. Like a broom? A broom. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so maybe you got it maybe you didn't. Twigs all together yeah, uh-huh. so, and
4: it poked down into it and then like pulled them up like that.
3: Wow. And it was very valuable. And a lot- like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, Columbia River Native women would have headdresses made of these that they were married in, that are quite beautiful. One of the joys I've had with Lindblad is being able to explore the areas that we travel in. And while I was working on the Danube River, I had an idea to, to go to the origin of glassmaking, which is in the Czech Republic, and do a little reconnaissance, see what was there. So I traveled to the town of Yablonyx, which is the origin of Bohemian glass. We traveled all throughout the community and visited an old, tiny furnace from the 1800s and learned about the glass, watched those big, long tubes of glass going into the furnace, saw this man cutting up the sections, actually making the beads the way his family had been doing it for four or 500 years. They're all made one at a time. Which is really amazing. Yeah. And if you look really closely at them, you can see that they're, they're all been different. Every know.
4: single one it's is completely different, different. Because of that technique of, a, wow. of the glass, put it on there, on the rod, and it wound and then cooled and then slipped off. See, these are mandrel wound eye beads.
3: Oh, wow. You know, Very, yeah. very powerful, you know. Yeah. Very popular in Greece. Carnelian mm-hmm. takes its origin, isn't it, from northern India?
4: Yes, uh huh, Mohinyadaro.
3: Yes.
4: You know, was yeah. where is where they, they find these agates, they dig them up and, uh, you know, heat treat them. I found cooking rocks in my yard that mm-hmm. are this color because ah, they, they, yeah. they were in the sand, you know, they were used oh. to heat the food with, and as mm-hmm. the temperature changed, they started to turn this wonderful color.
3: And yeah. I'll bet you it was found out by accident. Yeah,
4: that's what I think. Too. Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was
3: found out by accident yeah, around a cooking like, fire. Yeah. It ended up being one of the biggest and oldest trade routes in all of the world, mm-hmm. trading carnelian. They fed the exotic tastes of kings and queens all over. Absolutely. I mean, carnelian had supposedly all kinds of wonderful properties, and people wanted to have it. Mm-hmm. Lots of royalty wore carnelian. Well, you see
4: some of the, you know, going to museums and see some of the old royalty crowns and mm-hmm. jewelry and, mm-hmm. you know, amulets and carnelian.
3: It's amazing, Always carnelian. It's amazing. They're crude yep. and they're gorgeous. They are. And the color is yeah, just astounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, yeah. big oh, one there. Yeah, I know. I love that.
1: I totally, I totally agree. with. I totally agree. Now, guys, I have to also to say that obviously these beads have a huge range of yellowish, orangey, red. Uh, Light brownish, red and light brownish, orange with a waxy luster, some sort of semi transparent to sort of opaque quality. So there's something so refreshing about this chameleon. And like I said, we're going to share the video so you guys can actually visualize this. You can see it. It's beautiful. Um, I also know for sure that um, the name is most likely the, from the Cornell Cherry because a chameleon's brownish red to orange color is sort of linked to that. But guys, you have to also remember when we spoke about beads and their value and their significance, beads have so much val- value that goes beyond, you know, what you're actually looking at there. So you think about it and you I don't know if you guys know, but the chameleon stone is actually known for... Uh, or it's sort of used for boosting fertility and stimulating sexuality. Did you guys even know that? When you guys go to, especially West Africa, I know that East Africa is not such a big thing, but you'll realize that women wear waist beads. And these waist beads are very specific beads. So don't ever think that you can just roll a cup and buy beads on the corner and tie them up and then you think that your waist beads are talking to you. But obviously these people have their beads, they're very well positioned, they're specific beads and they promote different, um, you know, different things. So anyway... Chameleon, obviously, chameleon also treats lower back problems, arthritis, depression regulates the kidney and ac- accelerates healing in bones and ligaments you guys know that and now we sound like the fashion lab series on the health show but listen it's not the health series but this and i'm just saying that the beads have so much value anyway i want us to roll over to just a conversation around red beads quickly and just sort of pick their minds on what they're see what they're thinking and what they're saying about the red beads
3: so red red is an interesting color mm-hmm. and red in jewelry red in silk or clothing, it's considered a power color. And so any kind of jewelry that is red, think about rubies, mm-hmm. is really important. And if you can have red, like the coral from the Mediterranean, that was a, a huge trade coming out of there. And the glass wanted to come in on that. So look at this example right here. I mean, this is fantastic. And And what I love about these, yep, there's a lovely piece of coral, is you can see how much gold has been used. In these two sets of beads, these are probably both of these. I think quite old. Very old. Gold chloride chloride. Mm -hmm. brings out the red, so they're very valuable. I've had lots of bead collectors come to me over this red necklace. These
4: are little big chunks of coral, also. Wow, really nice.
3: Yeah, really Mm -hmm. old coral. And then this one. Tell me about that one. In order to cut
4: the cost down, Mm -hmm. they would make a bead in the. Pale color, Mm -hmm. and then they would coat it with this gold chloride glass Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, be able to make them and, you know, lots of them and make bigger profit.
1: Yeah, you know what? Red is that color, and obviously, there's a number of different colors. Like we spoke earlier about the Maasai beadwork. And how each holds a special meaning and how red actually signifies blood, bravery, unity. Um, so we there's different elements and different detail around red and, you know, just red beads in itself. The Zulu people of South Africa developed a code for the size and colors of their beads. So you think about ca- large and colorful beads symbolize wealth and social status. Blue beads are thought to enhance fertility. But red are actually reserved for re- ceremonies. You think about tribal festivals, funerals, circumcision harvest dances you know so there's so many different reasons that you want to understand the beads um and in just with more depth i think anyway let's roll over to amber beads because amber beads is a big thing too
3: one of my favorite Lindblad trips to do is in the baltic and because i'm polish Needless to say, I've had amber in my life, all my life. Mm -hmm. I was teethed on amber. Looking at that amber trade route that came out of uh, a peninsula between Russia and Poland called the Samland Peninsula and traveled all the way down, all through Europe, all the way into the Mediterranean, to the Romans, to the Greeks, to the Egyptians, everyone held amber in really, really prized position. It's actually resin from inside of a tree that's anywhere from 25 to 90 million years of age. It is not fossilized, but it has plasticized. The molecules have slightly changed, making it very fragile, but also making it very workable. Used as a scent, used as jewelry, used as vessels, everything. Probably one of the older of all the trade routes, possibly as old or older than the Indian carnelian trade route. This kind of amber, which is from Africa. Mm -hmm. And then seeing this, all these kinds of unusual pieces of amber, and this is all Baltic amber. And and
4: Copal, which is a a younger grade of amber. Mm -hmm. Different Mm -hmm.
3: set of trees, Mm -hmm. really amazing.
1: guys you know you think about amber beads and the one thing you can say is definitely it's a bead i see a lot um in this continent as well but what you have to do is realize that there's a lot of the way we speak about african print and the fact that you know there is counterfeited african print and then there's your original wax print so for you to be able to understand which one's original or not you have to really know and we've spoken about how to tell what's counterfeited and what's original. Same thing with amber beads, because uh, there is a lot of counterfeited amber beads as well in this continent today. But amber beads is a beautiful thing. I think let's just roll over and move on to the next type of beads. I wanna hear about this Venetian fancy beads. Flame coming at it and you just apply it and it just sticks and melts and you turn it and it comes right on. Wow.
3: Yeah.
4: One at a time. One
3: at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One at a time, mm-hmm. that is incredible. Yeah.
4: Now it's the same principle with these, which are actually Corneline dileppos, uh-huh. in that they mm-hmm. are a lighter colored glass underneath with uh-huh. a gold chloride over the top, and individually made on an iron rod, and then the white little stringers, there's spot attached. And then they would tumble them in sand, cause some of them get pointy, you know. But that's how they're made. These little things are, are done the same way, but each one of them is decorated, so you can see little little patterns of, wow. of you know swirls put on there.
3: Almost like the feathers.
4: Yeah, except with the feathers, and while the bead is red hot, another iron rod is pulled, dragged through it, so it creates this pattern that everybody says, oh, it looks like a feather. The, the Lewis and Clark bead's right there.
1: They are too beautiful. Oh my gosh, everything is so beautiful. This, these beads were actually most likely produced by dripping hot glass into a wooden or iron rod covered with special nonstick paste. And then later in 1470, Venetian artists who were sort of moved onto that maroon Murano island started to create hollow cylindrical glass. So this whole cylindrical glass canes, which were actually cut and sort of refined by grinding or heating, creates what you see. And I'm saying, like I said, we're going to share this as well so you can see it in its, you know, its, in, in its entirety and in, in its beauty. I want to hear what um, Janet has to say about Chevron beads. Let me say that again. Let's roll over to what Janet has had to say about Chevron beads. I think that's really cool. And then what about Vaseline beads? Now Vaselines are interesting. Now where's that name Vaseline come from? Well, yeah. they
4: kind of look like the old Vaseline jars. Ah, <laughs> you're right. Yellow, yellow yeah. glass, you know? Yeah. So they started calling any glass bead, which was actually a monochrome, mm-hmm. a Venetian monochrome, which means only one color, mm-hmm. a Vaseline bead, if it was bright. Yeah, and some of these are hand faceted, but uh, you know, they, they would press them in a mold to get the original shape and then they would finish them by hand uh, on sanding discs big sandstone discs
1: there you go chevron beads are like most of the Ven- when you think about the venetian chevron beads and you had um our guy uh, Gabi Mohamed from Ghana also talking about chevron beans. These beads were made uh, for export to West Africa and to the Americas and have layers in red, blue, white. A small number of the beads were actually produced with other colors like green, black, yellow. But the one cool thing about this Venetian chevron beads, have these have actually been traded throughout the world, most heavily in West Africa where they actually were introduced by the Dutch merchants in the late 15th century and I do not want to give you any more history lessons guys but you know what is the truth is this is a very good base uh, and I think a very good foundation to have and I think for me knowledge is power when we share this um, information on the show I think for me one of the biggest things is to be able to take what you can out of it because my thing is I can give it to you but you choose what to do with it because honestly what you do with it is really up to you but this is the conversation I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. That was Janet Walker uh, having a conversation around different beads, the trade route, and we've just sort of got a bit of deeper understanding. I'm even much more knowledgeable today because obviously I have to research this stuff and I get intrigued as well as as I go through it. Uh, Thank you guys for joining in. We're going to take a quick music break and we'll be right back.
0: Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion. Echoes from New York on Fashion Lab Africa with Edgy Benson.
1: Hi guys, this is Liz right here. I'm holding it down on Fashion Lab and we are talking everything about beads, the trade routes, the types of beads, uh, how they've traveled and how they've, you know, also sort of revolutionized the way that we use beads, the way we appreciate them, the way we apply them in our lives. You know, the different, you know, different elements about beads, you know, we've got beads and beads have... ...meanings beyond just embellishments and stuff. So, obviously, based on the time that we have, we're probably also going to touch on beads as a currency and identity. We're also going to probably touch on beads as a, you know, from a religious significance perspective. But we're here with Edgy. And Edgy, I just want us to, before unpacking a bit more from an African perspective, let's roll over to the beadman himself... ...and uh, hear what he has to say about beads.
5: You know, in Ghana here, we make glass beads, powdered glass beads... And other bees too, we collect them from other African countries here at the Kofuridua beads market. As I'm a standing here now, I do travel a lot. I when I travel from Ghana here, I used to take Ghanaian beads to Togo. I exchange with with Togo bees, I travel far to Benin, exchange with Benin bees, tap to Nigeria, I sell them, then sell Nigerian bees back to Ghana. We've got Malians too, people from Mali who used to come down here in Ghana, in Koforira bees market to buy, to trade, and exchange bees. Sometimes we do better trade. So collectors from European countries, some from America, they do come here and buy bees. So you can see Ghanian and other African or West African bees far outside, even far outside Africa. That's how bees travel in every part of the world. When I was young, that's my father's business. So I grew up after school, I just continue. And my father has been in this business for almost 80 to 90 years. He too, his father done that business, he continued and I came and continued that business. So my son, after school, he also come and join so that we continue the bees business in here. Those bees are very special, very, very old ones. These bees were sold to my father. And after his death, I just inherited it. This one is not for sale. This bead was made in the early 16th century, about 400 years. This is the real 7 layers chevron. Hmm. And we have got the, the copy. This is the copy of it. This bead was used for butter trade in the olden days. Some of these bees were even exchanged for a slave. Yeah. Only a few of these bees can be found here. These bees are right from the Roman Empire. They were used for evil spirits. They wear it for protection against evil spirits. So maybe when you go around the whole of this market, this is the only one you can see. And this is the face bead. I have been searching for this bead for almost 20 years. It's a spiritual bead, and this one was found in northern Nigeria, in northern part of Nigeria, and it migrated from person man to man. This buys, this sells. And it came to me, yeah.
1: That is us um, having uh, this insight, and like I said, this is so crazy—not crazy, but it is. It is true, you know. That's Garb Mohammed speaking to us about the bead, uh, the beads, and just the journey of the beads. And you know, you find that whole um, sort of uh, passion and drive for it. You find the generation after generation carrying the business over and forward. Um, You know, you listen to him. There's so much, um, there's so much pride that he takes uh, as he talks about these beads. And also one other thing we definitely look at is while we've been going through this show and I decided to use uh, the foundation of, um, uh, you know, the trade route conversation with Janet Walker. Um, which I thought was really interesting, was he actually brings it back to, to say, you know, he also just travels It's either him taking one, something to Mali and then from Mali getting something else. So it's like the beads are just something that sort of travels around and around. Eji, what are your insights on this bead conversation um, we are having today?
0: I mean, I, mean, I mean, it depends. I think from a cultural point, we know that beads are such a big language thing across a lot of cultures, you know. Uh, in terms of what we're doing, um, colors, uh, Beat types—you um, know how we wear them—they tell a story. They tell who you are, what you're doing. So they have this way of telling, of messaging, just like drums. You know, uh, on a fashion, from a fashion perspective, you know, of course we know they are so powerful. You know, from ribbons to all kinds of different applications that fashion uses them um it's just i feel like lately just because fashion has moved to, to a, a bit more to be more conscientious in terms of um uh, in terms of like uh, just uh, comfort you know so you don't see a lot of beef use as much as They used to be used like in the 60s and all of those times where beading was a big, a big language, you know.
1: But don't you think, isn't that something to be worried about, Edgy? Like I, I feel that while we look and say that we want to explore Africa, even from a creative and design perspective, I just feel like somebody and everybody and everyone and their auntie and cousin all forgot that beads exist and beads could do so much more when it comes to our storytelling through uh, our creative stories whether it's through fashion whether it's through beadwork and jewelry and accessories I just feel like we have we have either forgotten or lost lost that touch
0: no I think we found a better way to use them a better a more a more fit a, a, a way to use them that fits where we are right now you know we which is where well there are a lot more like braids that are like bracelets that have been like fashionable bracelets Um, a lot of stories being told with bracelets there's like here there's a company that just tells these women's stories in bracelets and all of those are beats like they they send you messages in the morning like you weird and they pass them on from woman to woman you know so beats are finding a use like a real like a renewed use like there's some renewed vigor in how beats are being used today but it's just Not direct fashion application in terms of on a piece of garment, not as much, but in terms of accessorizing um, emotions and stuff like that. Beats have become a very big way in how we accessorize our emotions and how we tell our emotional stories and, and in how we encourage ourselves to have a good day, those kinds of things. That's where beats have become a big, big, they've become almost ubiquitous in how we tell that story
1: know i find that i yeah AJ, i find and i hear you but i find that i actually miss the the detail of beating in clothing um like 20 years ago there was such a big story when it came to which piece is this this is all hand beaded and i think for me that was one of my most fascinating um, offerings when it came st- when it came to beads because I know that we all know that you know accessory wise you're looking for something with beads on it you'll find it and you could don't you can close your eyes and open it and you've got a billion options in front of you but the detail of how to actually use beads um, as an applique when it came to your garments and your pieces as a fashion brand or as a fashion house I find that that was so intricate it was so beautiful it was so rare and now you can barely find that I probably need to literally if I don't do it and I know that I've also got involved in that but you know the amount of time that it takes for one of my beaters to beat up just a garment could be 30 days to beat it up all but then what the client wants to pay for it is ridiculous they're actually questioning and complaining why it's so expensive. So it feels like maybe that's just going to be, what do you call it? Collector's items for, for you know, archives or whatever it is. But I feel like I still miss the fact that I am not feeling enough of the brands, uh, not just in the continent, but around the world. I feel like we've lost that beaded garment or that be- the beaded details in the garment, that beading in the garment, we've lost it. And I miss it because it was so rare and so so refreshing and so unique.
0: But also I think we have to take in, in mind we have to take into consideration today's the women and how we rate um just utility for a garment these days, you know? Um and mm-hmm. that's the problem that's happening with couture where like it has to be wearable. It has to be we've changed the way we look at couture now. Now yeah. couture is more like towards um things that are more it's more like usable couture you know in a sense things you can live in our uh, lives have changed so much and you know beads have a way of making something delicate you know appear delicate or, mm-hmm. or, or and also or also somewhere. very
1: delicate yeah it's almost inconveniencing when it comes to how you're going to dry clean it what's going to happen how many times you're going to wear it where you can carry it to uh, the weight factor alone i normally carry my beaded garments in my hand luggage and then i have muscles by the time i arrive (laughs) to my final destination (laughs) so i hear you edgy on the whole our mindsets have changed and people are thinking about uh whatever it is they're consuming a bit different a lot differently well for those who are tuned in guys um edgy thank you for your insights for those who are tuned in this is fashion lab we're talking beads and everything about beads but um at this point i would like us to roll over to the wine style guide because it is that time it is that time. It's time for your wine style guide. Brought to you by Liz Ogunga Wines. Edgy I'm gonna start with you because it's me you and uh, Mbali. What is your wine style guide today? And I have to say before that I just want to massage your back a bit. I'm very proud of you you're doing very well. What's your wine style guide today?
2: (laughs)
0: Today my wine style guide moved away from the wine itself to what you wear to a wine.
1: I love it, I love it. Uh huh. Keep it coming.
0: So today I am actually doing a dress for a, for a friend of mine who's going to a wine to a wine event. Mm-hmm. And what we did was drop the like it's a low V. It's a very low V neck dress, but we dropped the V, v from low. the back or
1: the,
0: or the front? front. The front V, like we dropped it so low that you can almost see her belly button. So my my thought is this. this will like wine so much just (laughs) take their eyes away from the wine a little bit (laughs) stop breaking the wine look at the girl
1: (laughs) oh my word Edgy, today you are really taking us to another different level so you want to say to the people enough of the wine change your focus exactly, you got me you said it just the way I would love to thank you (laughs) wow, wow you know, um, thank you, Edgy. It's a good one. That's a nice one. I don't even know what to say. But I'm like, guys, today Edgy's is being very creative. So we've got to clap for him. I
2: want to hear what Bali has to say. Bali, what's your wine style guide today? Okay, my wine style guide for this week is how to chill wine in less than five minutes basically you can actually chill a warm bottle of wine in less than five minutes you're not going to put it in the freezer and pray for the best and you're definitely not going to just put it in a bucket full of ice because we know that that takes time so there's just four easy steps yes yes i'm doing my research with these things i'm learning i'm learning as much as i can so step one is you fill a bucket with one third full with ice and then you lay the bottle of wine on top of the ice you place the bucket under a cold running tap until the ice cubes loosen enough for the bottle to drop straight to the bottom of the bucket and then you add one tablespoon of salt to lower the melting point of the water what happens when you do this is that the cubes will melt quicker which is actually a good thing and then the bucket will become very very cold very very quickly, and just like that, your warm bottle of wine is chilled in five minutes. That's my wine style guide. <laughs> oh wow, fantastic! That's good, very good. I'm also
1: very proud of you, Mbali. Keep do keep 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 it coming. Today, my wine style guide is around uh, just being able to understand guys that as much as wine is our fancy little thing and you know like i when i grew up i always said you know my mom serves us wine and people were like do you guys drink alcohol when you'd have conversations in school with the with the kids we'd be like no we don't drink alcohol but we drink wine and everyone would be laughing at us and i'm like what are they laughing at but anyway the truth of the matter is Wine is alcohol, so please let's not get that confused, and on that note, the reason I'm saying this is when you go into a wine tasting or when you go into a wine event or a wine soiree, make sure that you lace your stomach with something, make sure, because really, the last thing you want to do is have alcohol on an empty stomach, and I'm not your mama, but I'm just saying, you know, and for you to really enjoy wine, you sort of want a base, otherwise the worst thing to do is bring that acid into your body without, <laughs> without anything lacing you know, on the stomach. So lace your stomach guys, get something to eat before you get into the wine tasting or before you get into a seriously heavy wine indulging soiree. Otherwise guys that is my wine style guide for today uh, keep your tweets coming, we also want to know what yours are Um, We are on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter, Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, before we wind up this show, we want to roll over to the Fashion Lab top three. And I think, Edgy, you're going to have to do, give me two and I'll give you one. Or maybe give me one. I'll take one and I'll get one from our tweets. Is that cool? (laughs) Okay. What is your top top three today on this show around beats?
0: I think beats uh are... Beads, beads remain very, um, very important to fashion, but it's just the way we use them now It's different. You know, it's like... Um, so what's my top three is... Uh, beads remain extremely important to, to fashion, especially in the accessories um, part of, of it.
1: All right. Thank you, Edgy. I'm going to go next. Or I'm going to take this from... Uh... Yeah, let me go next and let me do the last one as uh, one of our tweets. I will go next with the Fashion Lab top three as we've been talking and I've been very passionate about how do we conserve our um, indigenous sort of um, heritage or our cultural heritage in this continent for that matter. And I think that one of the things, like I said, when I miss, I really do miss beads. And not because I don't, I mean, I see beads every day, but I just miss the expression of how to... Play around with beads, especially when it comes to fashion, because I'm not seeing it enough. And yes, even though Edgy brought up that point saying, you know, the consumer is really consuming differently. And there's a lot of factors they have to consider and they're very hardcore about it. But I still feel that, you know, to conserve our heritage, to conserve our culture, can we please just start paying more attention to how we can play with beads? It doesn't have to be your full collective. It could just be a capsule collection. It could be a magic piece. But Africa, please make me smile. Make my soul smile. That's my two cents on uh, Fashion Lab. That's my second So my top three on our Fashion Lab top three today. Uh, for one of our tweeters who's tweeting right now, uh, they've actually just, I'm lying. I'm going to do the Fashion Lab top three, the third one later. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm just going to throw it in there. Oh, wow. Anyway, guys, we are coming to that end of the show. And uh, we've been talking about beads. For those of you who use beads on a daily basis, uh, maybe based on your type of business, if you're in the beadwork or jewelry business, I'm sure you really understand this. If you're in the buying and selling, which is also a big thing, bead trading is a big, big thing. And it's big money as well. If you're in that industry as well, I'm hoping that this has been able to sort of shed some light to you. Maybe there's something you didn't know about beads or maybe there's beads you have not explored and this is your opportunity to explore them. And then for those of you who are just sitting and listening to Fashion Lab and wondering why we're not talking about the coronavirus, is because the bees is what we are talking about today, guys. And I hope that whichever way, we've been able to add some value to you. Uh, we are now rolling over to the wine style, to the Who Would You Want to Dress and Why, which is our last segment today. Uh, thank you for tuning in once again. Who would you want to dress? <laughs> <laughs> Edgy I start with you who would you want to dress and why before we wrap up
0: unfortunately today I'm dressing you in this in,
1: Edgy in,
0: uh, <laughs> okay I know, I, know in, I know you're not in the in, in the in the, um, in the um, epicenter of this stuff but just imagine mm-hmm. this really cool fashionable hazmat suit though you saw what Naomi Campbell did that's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. that's what I'm thinking but I'm thinking of you
1: yeah. Thank, Thank you, you Baba. Baba. You know, since you haven't thought about me or tried to dress me for a long time, I'll take it. I receive it. Thank you very much.
2: I receive it. <laughs> Mbali, who would you want to dress on why today? Um, this week, I would like to dress... Rihanna um, Okay I'm not dressing her just because I pray That she releases an album <laughs> I'm dressing Rihanna this week Because Rihanna just recently Released some new Savage Fenty Underwear um, Which is shaking tables Honey it is beautiful it is sexy It is everything that we've ever Wanted but how do women Know that Rihanna loves women It's because the underwear Is not just sexy it's not just Comfortable but it allows Everything to breathe, honey. I will leave that to your imagination. If you want to find out what I mean by that, you can just go onto the Fenty website and you will see what I mean by the underwear lets everything breathe. So I would love to dress Rohana because she's beautiful, she's got a great body, she's lots of fun, and she's all for the woman. And we could tell with the out with the underwear that she just
1: launched. Okay, fantastic. Now, who would I want to dress and why today? Today, I'm really feeling confused. I think I'm going to dress Tuanello today. That's who I want to dress. <laughs> Tuanello <laughs> is one of the technical producers right here. And he's sitting here. And normally we have Stay. But because Stay is not here, I'm looking at Tuanello And I'm like, the first day today, I have not seen him in a baseball cap. So I'm going to clap. I'm clapping. I'm clapping cuz I'm like something's happening there is definitely a something is happening here and he looks a bit smarter today he's wearing a sweater you know like the you know the sweaters like what you like edgy like I see you a lot in these cardigans he's wearing an open you know sort of button down cardigan which is so I think that's really cool so I'm really proud of you Tuanella. I want to dress you and make you look more streets and more lease (laughs) or more lease friendly that's what i want to address today but guys thank you so much for tuning in um edgy thank you for your insights badly thank you for that fashion alert it definitely puts us in the zone so we are aware of what's really happening and uh yes for those who are tuned in um like i said i hope that you've got something out of this show today we'd love to hear from you email us at info at fashionlab.com fashionlabafrica.com if you want to have any conversations deeper than you know tweets (laughs) and we are on fashionlabafrica.com if you are catching this show right now you haven't missed a thing uh, you can definitely catch this on the podcast Um, you can catch us on iTunes uh, uh, Spotify Google Play SoundCloud and we are also on fashionlabafrica.com where you can actually stream the show live but until next week guys It's peace and love. (laughs) Thank you. Muito beijo, beijo, muito beijo. Bye.